Hey friends, just want to pull back the curtain a little bit. You know, every week we bring you an episode and those episodes are brought to us by the only reason why we're able to bring them to you is because we have partners, sponsors who every week want to get in your corner, want to help you. And you know, we've only partnered with people, organizations who love the local church. They don't see you as a target. They don't see you as a market. They don't see you as something to extract money from. They see you as the body of Christ. They want to get in your corner and help. And all of them do this, but particularly today, I want to thank and think about CDF Capital. These guys are amazing. They've been a part of a movement helping churches and church leaders bring the light of Jesus to the world through their capital. They do this in a number of ways, but the way I want to focus on today is financial capital through investments and loans. If your church has excess revenue that you need to invest, maybe you have, um, you know, some, um, you know, rainy day funds, you should be putting it with CDF Capital. You know, you need to give it to them. Or if you're looking for a loan, maybe you want to refinance your mortgage or you're looking to expand or you need to do something in your church that requires you to structure the payment over a number of years, CDF Capital is who you want to talk about. But friends, it is so much more than just money. It's more than metrics. It's more than you and me. It's ultimately about the ministry of Jesus. That is what CDF Capital is all about. They're more than a lender. It's more than an investment vehicle. They want to help churches grow, and they do this literally with hundreds of churches all across the country. So what I want you to do is to drop by CDF Capital today, cdf.capital forward slash unseminary, and let them know that we sent you. Again, that's cdf.capital unseminary today. Thanks, friends. You're going to love them. They're great people. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, have you ever been in a conversation where you wish, man, more of my friends could be here? Well, recently we hosted a webinar at Unseminary that I want you to listen in on. A couple weeks ago, we hosted this webinar with my friends, uh, Jeremy, with Brandon, with Lisa. These are executive pastors that you should be learning from and following. And really, I asked them a simple question, kind of what's your outlook and where's your strategy currently? What are you currently working on? And you'll hear their conversation unrolling here in a minute. Uh, I'm just so honored that we could bring you this webinar uh, on our podcast feed. Uh, however, at one point, we talk about an upcoming event. It's the XP Summit. It's just at xpsummit.org. It's coming up in May. It's in Dallas. I'm going to be going to this event. I would love to have you there. And the people who um, we had on, they were talking about the conference because all, all four of us are actually going to be at the conference. And they offered a discount code for folks on the webinar. But you know what? I talked them into letting us roll that all the way through till February 15th, but then that discount goes away. So you just use Unseminary at xpsummit.org and you'll get the, t- the discount that we talk about it. But it's going away in a few days, so you need to pick that up. All right, friends, let's sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. I'm super pumped to bring you this dialogue around current outlook, current strategy from some leading XPs. Hey, friends, welcome to today's webinar. Super excited for today's call. This is all about 2023 outlook and strategy for our executive pastor friends. Listen, you know, at Unseminary, we love executive pastors, people that lead at the intersection of vision and execution. We're so honored that you are here. So we're really pumped that you've decided to come in. I, I I feel like I've been able to like con some 
you know, it's like the all-star team to come together to help you today. And so pumped about that. So as you come in, what I want you to do is over in the chat, uh, I want you to say, look at that, Brandon, you're, you're already ahead of the game. You knew where I was going. You're so smart. Uh, let us know where you're coming in from. Uh, you know, just it's always fun to hear people from all across the country uh, that will be joining us today. So super excited for you to do that. So drop in over there. Let us know uh, where you're coming in from. Uh, and if, you know, over lunch or whatever, we got, you know, Michigan. That's great. It's probably cold there today. I, I feel bad for you know, and then Florida. Look at that. That's great. We got a good balance out there. So it's somewhere probably about 40 degrees if you, if you average those two out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, all kinds of people. Miami, California, Vineland. Man, I love Vineland, New Jersey. This is South Jersey. Uh, I used to live in North Jersey. And I'm sure, George, you'll, you'll, you'll agree with me that there is no such thing as Central Jersey. There's only South and North, uh, which is kind of fun. So, so glad you're here. And uh, Ontario, Keith, which is for some other friends from actually three in a row. Bam, bam, bam. Canadians. We love Canadians uh, at Unseminary. Uh, North Carolina. Miles from San Luis. Uh, San, San, I can't pronounce that. You know I can't pronounce that. San this Luis is, Obispo. San Luis yes. Obispo. Yes. That I think. Uh, so I've been to Miles Church. And I think that's what heaven's going to be like. That part of the world, the central coast of California. I, you know, every time I go to California in general, I'm like, yeah, I get why people live here. And then you go to central California and you're like, you all have been holding out on us. It is, uh, it's amazing. So anyways, yeah, lots of people from California. You could see all that Virginia, uh, amazing Wisconsin, uh, so many great places. Uh, even South Dakota, South which is Africa. great as well. Come on, Rich, you're missing South Africa. Cameron's South Africa, South Cameron. Africa. Cameron. That's amazing. This is a global this is a global gathering now, you know, just because of that. So it's, everywhere from Indianapolis to South Africa. Right? Hey, <laughs> That's great. So yeah, friends, as you come in, let us know where you're uh, you know, where you're calling in from. That would be so uh so fun. We would uh we would love to uh, know. Now, I, let me introduce you to the folks that are on the call. Uh, so first, I want to introduce you to Jeremy uh, Jeremy Peterson. He is the executive pastor at a church called One Church. These guys are in New Hampshire. I love. There's so much I love about One Church. But one of the things I love, and New and Vermont, they have campuses in both those locations. He has 20 plus years of experience. One Church is in the, a part of the country that, frankly, churches should not grow and expand and thrive and be like great, and they are, which is amazing. So. Uh, he loves helping churches. He's really an amazing dude. So, Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Tell us what I'm missing on there. What What do I miss about your background? Fill out the picture a little bit. No, thanks, Rich. Um, yeah, New England, very, very different than Texas, uh, where I spent 15 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a journey, uh, and I look forward to sharing a little bit of that uh, later on uh, in, our, in the call. Great. Perfect. So glad. Good. Okay. Next, uh, super excited to introduce Lisa. She is, uh, and Lisa, I, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to butcher your last name. Give me your last name because I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't, I can't get it right. Penberthy. Penberthy. I, I should see, I should be able to do that, but I, I'm not. Uh, so glad. She's a church leader. Again, 20 plus years experience at a little church in San Diego called Rock Church. She was there for years, uh, but is now doing some other stuff that she'll update us on. Let us know that. But she, uh, incredible resource, particularly when it comes to stewarding resources, people, capital, finances, all that stuff. She's an incredible leader. Lisa, welcome. Uh, tell us, fill out the picture. What am I missing there? Well, thanks, Rich, for having me. Um, I have been in ministry for decades, and I started out in the Foursquare Church, 
Uh, so I'm ordained with Foursquare, and then I went on to the Rock Church, served with Foursquare for 25 years, still hold my credentials there, um, mm -hmm. and I'm getting ready to re relocate to Texas and launch a nonprofit that I'm pretty excited about. Love it. So good. So good. So glad you're here. Thanks for being here. And then finally got Brandon Beard from, again, 30 plus years experience, great leader, executive pastor uh, at Compass Church in Texas, a fantastic leader, uh, particularly on the campus ministry side. I know so many of our churches, it, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, of our size of exec executive pastors, we're either multi-site or thinking about going that. So super excited to have you on the show today, Brandon. Tell us about what did I miss there? Fill out the picture a little bit. Yeah, thanks so much. No, I'm a I'm a originally from Seattle a guy uh, that ended up in Texas. I just want to let everyone know that uh, my Seattle Seahawks are actually going to defeat Jeremy Peterson's uh, 49ers. They're going to shock the world this weekend, which is going to be amazing. Uh, but no, I'm an executive pastor here. I oversee our five campuses. I also am part of a group called the Gromentum Group, uh, where I help churches grow and, and work with churches. And that's a lot of fun as well, something I do. And uh, but I'm a Pacific Northwest guy that ended up in Texas, and uh, just I love it here. It's great. Uh, but the summers, I'm, Lisa, you're heading here to Texas. I'm just telling you, get ready. It's a little hot. Okay, <laughs> there's a reason that Jeremy moved from Texas to, to Manchester. So now it's he great to be on. <laughs> yeah, get ready. So good. Well, but the Pacific Northwest has a nice summer. It lasts for two and a half days in July. It's fantastic, yes. right? It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Everyone just literally strips down to almost nothing and runs wild. For the two days that it's sunny, and then it's up. Nice, so good. Well, friends, we're we're excited that you're in, uh, that you've joined us for today's call. This is how it's going to work. We're we've got a couple things we want to kick around to kind of get the ball rolling. Again, as you've seen, man, we've got some real experts, leaders uh, on the call that we want to uh, tap their expertise. There's a couple things we want to we want to chat about, but we want to take your questions. So please go into the chat, leave your questions over there. If you are listening to this and a recording behind or as a recording. Uh, you're going to have serious FOMO because you didn't show up live and couldn't get your questions answered. Uh, but we want to do that. We want to answer your questions live. So please do that. Drop them in there. And, uh, and then we'll get a chance to get to those a little bit later in the call. Well, Jeremy, I want to start with you. Um, so I know maybe it's just me. Maybe, I, maybe I'm the only one. I don't think I am. But, uh, you know, it seems like finances, man. This is like the thing that we're always thinking about as executive pastors. It's like top of mind. Literally this morning was on a call with an executive pastor and we were talking about these issues, but it seems like our broader climate has continued to shift, right? And, and I don't know whether it's a downturn, if it's a recession, whatever they want to call it. You know, we just came through year-end giving. I heard from multiple friends that their year-end stuff didn't necessarily go as well as they were hoping it was going. What or would have went, but tell me, what are you hearing from churches on the financial front? What should we be thinking about? Why don't we start with you, Jeremy, and then anybody can jump in, but we'll start with you. Sure. Yeah, Rich, it's, it's interesting, right? Because we, we went through COVID, right, where we mm -hmm. were having to make some incredible pivots and shifts and talking to churches that were all over the place, right? Some that were having to make significant cuts um, at mm -hmm. the time, and then some who saw no financial change um, whatsoever. And I think that it's an interesting time because in the last two weeks, uh, a couple of coaching calls that I've done, there are churches that uh, either recently or sometime during COVID, um, they went debt-free, Right, which is something mm. to celebrate. Like, hey, we're debt free. Yes. Like, hey, we're excited about this. And mm -hmm. they were shocked that their giving has dropped by like 30 or 40%. Mm. Right. And so I think a, a big part of it is, regardless of where you're at from a resource management standpoint, um, sometimes if giving is down, making some of those cuts, um, actually mm -hmm. kind of maybe fast forward some of the decisions that you know you need to make anyway. Mm. Um, mm. But I think a, an important reminder is 
as you go debt free, or sometimes we, we say, Hey, we're going after this vision and we need to, we need to raise this money and, you know, X amount of millions of dollars or tens of thousands, whatever it is. And we're mm-hmm. going after this. And then we arrive and we celebrate it. And then that's kind of it. Like the, the ball's dropped mm. and we don't continue the conversation. So one of the biggest things I encourage churches with is, you know, whether, whether you're debt free, you finish a campaign, man, constantly keep the vision in front of the people. And I know that, it may seem very, very simple, but it can be easy to say, hey, we hit this target. You know, we hit this goal. Uh, we were able to reach this number of people. Um, and, then, and then we forget, right? So I think it's so key just to, to keep fueling that vision, right? Keep it at the mm. forefront of what you're doing. Good. Um, I think another big part of it, too, that um, seems so simple is mm-hmm. just simply thanking your givers. Um, mm. I'm, always, I'm always shocked when I have conversations uh, with different churches and you know, I'm like, hey, tell me about your, your giving strategy and, and are, are, are people able to connect the dots, right? So as they're talking mm-hmm. about giving, um, most churches have some form of there's worship and there's some announcements, right? And then we're talking about giving and most have not connected the dots between why they're giving mm-hmm. matters, right? Like we understand scripturally, like scripture mm-hmm. talks about giving, um, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to help them connect the dots on like why mm-hmm. they're giving, why their generosity helps us mm-hmm. move the mission forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think the more we can connect those dots and then with that is, is man, take time uh, throughout the year to thank, like, thank your givers. I know some mm-hmm. people may think it's a little, a little weird, but, but I, we've never had somebody that, that we've reached out to and said, Hey, thanks for your continued generosity. And they're like, they're like, why did you send me that note? Like, it's like, no, they actually mm-hmm. value, they value being appreciated. Yes. Right. They, 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 they want to know that they're giving matters. And I think even sharing with them, like your giving allowed us to be able to do this. And to be mm-hmm. able to share what that is. And so, mm-hmm. so one thing that we've done, um, and I'm happy to, to put a link to it um, in the notes here, is we actually do like mm-hmm. a, a, like a year-end report. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, mini, like a digital magazine. Um, mm-hmm. And it really just highlights, here's, what some, here, here's some of the things that God did, right? Like we were able to open up two new locations. We saw this amount of people that were baptized, this many people that were in groups. Um, our kids' mm-hmm. ministry grew in this area. And for, for some of the key givers, for them to be able to realize like their generosity is allowing us to do this. And when they can connect those mm-hmm. dots, man, the, the people in the church feel like they feel connected to the mission. They understand mm-hmm. how they're, how they're giving is making a difference. And I think mm-hmm. constantly keeping that at the forefront of what we're doing, um, mm-hmm. you start, you start seeing giving and generosity continue to grow when you create that culture. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I think just maybe at the simplest level is just simply thanking your, your givers, uh, for what they're doing, because without their generosity, obviously the mission can't continue to move forward. Yeah, that's a great word. I love that. You know, just real practical coaching. Even hey, if we're feeling, because because we we would give that to even to people in our church. Like hey, you know, you um, if if you were struggling financially, a part of what you should do is be thankful for what you have and cultivate you know a, a sense of gratitude yourself. And a part of that might be through tithing or whatever. But as a church, man, the same thing is true. They're taking time to show appreciation, even with a simple thing like, hey, let's send handwritten notes to first-time donors. I love what Jason said in the chat. He said, you know, uh, he does handwritten notes to people who's a, fir- a first-time giver. And you've had such good feedback from people. And it's mostly in the category of like, wow, I never receive a handwritten note from anyone, let alone from a pastor. So thank you. Yeah, I love that. So good. That's great, uh, great coaching for sure for all of us as we look to this year. Um, Lisa, so I want to pivot on to something a little bit different. We did, we asked people ahead of time, Hey, give us some questions that you might be thinking about. And we got a number of questions all around kind of the whole volunteer culture. We, we know that, 
the our churches go ahead on and are built on the back of volunteers that every church is really fueled by volunteers what are you hearing about you know just the whole area of volunteer culture what are you know churches that are building thriving teams these you know these days what are some of those best practices things that are kind of top of mind on within that area Thanks, Rich. I think the first thing that I'm hearing is that people are struggling to get volunteers to return. So they mm. finally got people in the seats, but now they can't mm. get people to serve. Um, mm. So so getting people through the door on that first step. OK, they're back in the mm -hmm. seats. They're attending service. So now how do we engage them on the next mm. step? And, so and really, the the biggest thing that I've seen is the turnover in the people who are in our seats. Mm. Our churches, our people don't look the same before the pandemic. It's mm. a different headcount. It's different <laughs> people. And they have to learn and discover what it means to serve. And so mm. if you have a discipleship pathway at your church, the first step is to find an entry point for everyone. Mm. Whether they've said yes to Jesus or they're just hearing Jesus for the first time, mm. how can they get engaged? How can they come in and give themselves away? Because it's all about serving. And so that entry level opportunity, mm -hmm. everyone can come and serve somewhere in your church. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have a 20 year relationship with Jesus and they don't even have to have said yes to Jesus mm -hmm. if they're coming in to serve. And so make that process really easy for them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's, if they want to serve, sign up. Anyone can show up and serve at the annual Christmas outreach. Anyone mm -hmm. can come and hand out toys. They're not the ones praying and talking. They're handing out toys or they're the ones handing out food baskets. Whatever it is, there's those events that anyone can show up without training, without having gone to a membership class. What are those areas? Because in that, they're going to discover uh, the joy. And really, it's it's the joy of being able to do it. It may not be a fun and exciting thing. It may The task may not fill them with excitement. But the joy that they will experience in serving others and serving the kingdom that they didn't even know was possible. Mm. And so the, the expectations of them also becomes really key. What, mm. what am I doing? What am I signing up for? Because mm. that's thing. they'll sign up, especially post-pandemic. They're going to sign up for that one thing. Don't call mm. me back. I'm going to tell you when I'm available <laughs> again. And so, hey, I need you to serve once a month with kids. This isn't mm -hmm. an every Sunday thing. This is a once a month commitment. Can I get you mm -hmm. for once a month? Mm -hmm. And so it's when we come at them and say, I need you every Sunday at six o'clock. Come ready to go. And you're not going to go home until about two. And somewhere mm -hmm. in there, we want you to go to church too. And so those expectations that we put on them and not, and not help ease them into it, because really uh, we are dealing with a whole new crowd, which is amazing because the whole new crowd is also expanding the harvest and reaching and furthering mm -hmm. the kingdom because those are new yeses. And so mm -hmm. the opportunity that we're providing them. And then as those people come in and as they get engaged, um, help them get established, help them find mm -hmm. that discipleship journey, get them on the path, help them engage with mm -hmm. opportunities as well as their personal discipleship journey, because mm -hmm. serving is not discipleship serving is a part of it mm. and so sometimes we forget that serving doesn't take us to jesus we're not saved by our work so mm. them coming to an event to serving is not going to get them to jesus but it helps them grow in their walk and so so those are some of the things i've been hearing yeah, the struggle to get people how to get them engaged 
the question about, hey, if they don't believe, do they, if they don't mm -hmm. know Jesus, can we plug them in? Of course, mm -hmm. plug them in. Have your boundaries. Know where they're able to mm -hmm. and not able to. But get them plugged in because that starts their journey. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love, Lisa, what you were saying. So Lisa and I, have this is the first time we've met. And um, I literally have heard exactly what you said from so many churches where it's like, hey, like, where our attendance is back or whatever. But it's like a whole new church. I'm like, mm -hmm. we, who are all these people? Like, it's like, yeah. I've heard that from multiple churches for sure. And I love that coaching around I you know I've joked in other contexts the shallow end of the pool serving opportunities it's like how do we ease people in you know into some nice warm water that's easy um that's yeah that's really really good so good for sure and and the challenge that to be thinking about how do we make that even easier I think is is good teams are critically important Brandon um kind of sticking with the team's idea I know 100% of the people who are executive pastors are listening in today they're thinking about their staff team as well. They're thinking about those people who are employed by the church. You know, what questions are you wrestling with these days in your seat as you're, uh, you know, you're leading your team in your context or as you're coaching with Gromentum? You know, what are, what are some of those questions that you're wrestling with? Yeah, sure. I, I really believe right now it's a time of listening. I think that's a mm. really, really important word for uh, leaders right now. I think mm -hmm. we came out, you know, kind of post-pandemic. It's really easy. Um, Let's be honest, we're really easy in senior leadership for us to act like we know what we're doing and where we're going, mm. but we really don't. And we're really scared mm. and we really don't know what the future looks like, but we're going to put on the brave face and tell everyone, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to be about. Like, mm -hmm. no, let's slow down and listen. Let's actually listen mm -hmm. to our, our team and our staff mm -hmm. and the people around us. Make sure mm -hmm. that they, that we know where they're at and let's make mm -hmm. sure that they are bought into where we're going. Let's not, let's not fake it. You know, and I, mm -hmm. way too many leaders I talk to, they fake this whole like, Hey, the pandemic's over. We're going to do this. We're going to grow back to what we were before. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to do this. And it's like, no, you don't, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to happen. And if you think mm -hmm. like, if you're a leader right now and you can tell me what's going to happen in the church in five years, like I don't buy it. I think that we're at a mm -hmm. point where we got to listen. We probably have to listen to some younger people on our staff and, and, and learn from them. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's also, so I think that's a huge part of the development process right now. I think it's about long-term planning. We just went through a season uh, with our teams where everything was short term, everything was just like, hey, this week, this week we're doing this. Yeah. This now we're back. No, we're not. We're back in person. We're wearing masks. No, we're not. <laughs> you know, mask sit over here. Do this. And oh, just, every reason, we, we're so tired. I'm so tired of making decisions. I know. I'm like, don't bring that up. It's like that was a yeah. terrible season. Gosh, it, yeah, you're, it's you're horrifying, right? Pain here. <laughs> yeah. But I think we did that so much that we got into a short term, you know, kind of like short thinking. So we just think short term now. And I think it's time to start thinking about dreaming about where do we want to be in five years? Where, where do we want to be in 10 years? And we, that involves listening. That involves slowing down and, and just listening to each other and really evaluating what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and doing that. That's so huge. I think, I think the last thing I would say is this on that and there's lots more, but our lead pastors right now, COVID messed them up. And if your lead pastor didn't get messed up by COVID, like, good on you. He's on mm. like, that's impressive. Like I'm, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm proud of them, but I think mm. most people, 99.9, whatever you want to call it, percent of lead pastors, COVID messed with their mind mentally. Mm. It messed with their psyche. It messed with their leadership. Mm. Uh, some of them confidence. Some of them mm. are confused. Some of them are just mad every week. They're like, where's everybody? Why is not everyone coming mm. back? You know, it, it just, everyone has all these different reactions. And some are, like I said, faking it really well. and like, we're fine. We know where we're going or they're bragging to their friends. 
we're back right. to what we were before. And like, no, you're not. Like the church right. has changed. So yeah. as a result of our lead pastors, struggling, I think it's time to lead up too. As executive mm-hmm. pastor, you've got to be sensitive Good. that, man, when you're in that top role and you just went through this huge season of leadership, you might be exhausted. You might be tired. It might be time to give that lead pastor some time off. It might be time mm-hmm. to give them some mental health some care, make sure the elders are pushing on them to say, Hey, it's time to take care of yourself. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't do that and we're all That's listening okay. to each other, we're trying to make long-term plans, but you're not healthy. It's going to be a mess. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing right now. It's just, let's be honest. Let's be honest about all of our, where we are right now. Let's all be yeah. honest Let's sit in the room and go, we don't know what to do next. So let's talk about it. Let's mm-hmm. listen to each other. Yeah, that's good. I, I love that. What When you, like sticking with the lead pastor relationship there, that's one of those things too. Like I, you know, whenever I'm on site, I, like I would say it might be close to 100% of the time if I'm out coaching a church and I'm on site somewhere, either the executive pastor pulls me inside and says, man, I just love my lead pastor. So good. What a, you know, faithful servant doing such a great job. But can you help me understand how to have a better relationship with them? Or the, the lead pastor pulls me aside and says, man, I just love my executive pastor. She or he or a great person. They do a great job. They're so, you know, they execute on st- stuff. But can you help me understand how to have a better relationship with my executive pastor? Like, literally, it's like I get that all the time. What would be, you know, if I'm an executive pastor listening in and thinking, hmm, I, I do want to kind of cultivate that relationship. Do you have, a, you know, a, a step or a tactic, Brandon, for developing sure. that relationship or thinking about that? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have two things. You, you've mm-hmm. got you've to know if your lead pastor wants to be friends or wants to do business. Mm-hmm. And you can do both. You can do both. But some lead pastors, they want to be friends first. They want to be your buddy. They want to talk about sports and they want to they hang out and be your friend. Mm-hmm. And then they want to talk business. You know, mm-hmm. Other people are like, they're looking for an XP that like, man, they, they're driver, they're moving forward. And they're like, mm-hmm. I don't have time right now to be your buddy. We got a lot going mm-hmm. on. And that's okay. You're not mm-hmm. there to be someone's best friend. Yeah. You're there to be their you know, number two person and you're there to support mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not friends. So don't hear me say that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I hear what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, because that lead, that lead pastor, they either want to be your buddy or they want you to be the business side of it. Mm-hmm. And one of those is going to be priority. That's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, second part of that is what I would call uh, involvement level. Like how much involvement mm-hmm. do they want to be in the weeds? And mm-hmm. every lead pastor is going to tell you like, oh, I want to be involved in everything. I want to be involved in every decision. Or they, mm-hmm. they might even vocalize that. Like, I want to be in those meetings. <laughs> You've got to be wise enough in an XP role to go. I've seen them. I've seen them lead. What do they really mm-hmm. want to be involved in? Yeah, really that's good. Is it the weekends? Mm-hmm. They don't care about the groups and the this or that. Mm-hmm. They're, are they excited about discipleship or evangelism? Like, you got to mm-hmm. know what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And you got to connect them to that. And you got to mm-hmm. take care of the rest of that. You cannot involve yeah. them in that and I think we, we're really guilty as XPs all the time going, hey, you've really got to pay attention to this. You really got to pay attention to this. And our poor lead pastors are like, like, they don't want to say this, but they're like, I don't care about that. Like, I really care about this and this. I don't care about that. And right. you can win a lot as an XP if you can figure that out and just mm-hmm. be honest and go, they really mm-hmm. care about this. Let me fill them in and connect them to that piece of the church. And let me take care of the other things that they're just not passionate mm-hmm. about and not make mm-hmm. them feel guilty because they don't care about small groups because they're introverted and they don't want to be mm-hmm. in a group on Sunday night. And that's okay. Yeah. Give them permission to, mm-hmm. to, to be that. The lead pastor role in our churches, uh, especially in America, just creates, you know, introverted, isolated people. I don't like it. It's not great, but it is, that's a reality mm-hmm. for a lot of us. It's just, it's a mm-hmm. hard, hard role. 
yeah. you're in a smaller church, you can get to know a lot of people and connect and, and feel like you can do it all, but it's just going to burn you out as well. So mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part of that, that relationship. Well, just a quick, a quick tag onto that, Rich, mm -hmm. is I think especially for some of the newer executive pastors in this role, um, I think realizing that it takes time and mm -hmm. then over time you build trust, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of the guys that I'm coaching with or gals that I'm talking to, it's like they just moved into this role and overnight they expect for there to be this incredible trust. Um, but man, mm. a lot of times it just takes time. Like it just mm -hmm. takes time to develop that, to develop mm -hmm. that relationship. And like Brandon said, to figure out like, yeah, do they want a buddy um, or do they want somebody who's doing business mm -hmm. um, and take care of that part of it? And I think that navigating through that, um, just an encouragement, especially to, to new XPs, like it can take, it can take a little time. Yeah. Even to have the define the relationship conversation, right. That's like, you know, hey, help me understand what would be a total win. You know, even in that, if you if you're sensing that you're kind of you're missing each other a little bit, let's let's talk that through. What what is best? You know, that's great. So uh, good. what I was what I would what I would say to that though, Rich, is what's interesting for mostly guys they don't want to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's true. Because they don't want to hurt those feelings. Mm. And like we've got to be people who perceive and go. They'll say this, like, man, I love you guys. We're family. We're all one thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. That's not your number one thing. You know, we've got yeah, to be yeah, perceptive enough you know, to read between the yeah. lines. Because so often we put our lead pastors in positions where we're like, I need you to define the relationship. And they're like, yeah, no I want to no be your best friend. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're really going to, and they're, they're going to reflect back what you, they think you want, right? They're going to reflect back. They're like, hey, what are you, you know, because they value you. They do value your place on the team and they do value you relationally. And so, yeah, yeah that's good. That's good and we have to recognize that at a church that's a size to have an XP, mm -hmm. uh, lead pastors probably don't have many personal relationships within the people of the church mm -hmm. um, for mm -hmm. many mm -hmm. reasons that we can all outline. Mm -hmm. um, but that dynamic becomes very real with a newer XP where there's no relationship and you're still establishing trust, like Jeremy was saying. But even a, a long time XP, because the XP may be the one that's really with the people and engaging, having a relationship. So the separation just naturally happens because the lead pastor isn't the one that is the, the day to day engaged mm -hmm. with the people leader. Mm -hmm. That becomes more of the XP and the additional staff. So when, when we're at that size of a church mm -hmm. where there is that um, setting apart of the lead pastor, we have to recognize that as the norm and not an mm -hmm. issue. Yeah, I love it. And, well, and that brings up a good point that we'll come back to. I want to I ask a, some pointed questions around this issue that uh, to me, this is what begs the question around you as an executive pastor who are, where are your executive pastor relationships? Like where are the other, where are you going? What are you, how are you, how are you connecting with other executive pastors? Because some of this is like getting the nuance of how that works and talking that through with other people who are in a similar role can help you figure that out and can help you figure out even the lead pastor, uh, you know, relationship. In, in a minute, friends, we're going to pivot to your question. So we have had a few good ones come in really good ones come in, uh, but would love some more if you've got them. That'd be great. Jeremy, uh, kind of one last one uh, pitch to you before we jump into questions. Uh, so growth, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, in the executive pastor role, we're thinking about those things. It might be because we're staring at numbers. We're thinking, mm -hmm. you know, how many people are attending, you know, all that stuff. It's like in the front of our brains all the time. 
What what are you seeing, you know, when you look at churches across the country, what are some common traits that you're seeing about particularly growing churches, uh, you know, across the country as you're engaging with them in, you know, various contexts? Yeah, that's a great question, Rich. Um, I think a lot of it is really figuring out who is a church um, you are, right? And, and what is the need of that community? Like, historically, this is how it was for me, especially early on in ministry. It was, uh, I would attend this large conference and you hear this mm-hmm. amazing story, right? Of this church that went from 500 to 5,000. And you're like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. We're going to copy mm-hmm. their model, right? And they, they would have yeah, these yeah. amazing models. And you're like, we're yeah. going to do this. You're going to go back and we're going to implement all these things. And, and we forget that there's all these different factors. Like maybe the mm-hmm. community was growing, exploding, maybe an incredible leader. Um, th- there's all these different factors, uh, I think, that come in with it. But I think the biggest mm-hmm. question for a lot of the churches that I'm seeing uh, have exponential growth um, is really figuring out like, what is the real need in that community? Right. Mm. So, so as you mentioned earlier, like we have six locations between New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, which are the two most unchurched States. Uh, the last time I checked, I uh, was talking to Warren Bird uh, a couple months ago, and he had mentioned that those are the two most unchurched States. And we made a huge shift uh, a couple of years ago um, where we had uh, three locations and they were video venues. Right. And, mm-hmm. and this is not a this is not a um, a video venue versus an in-person like one's mm-hmm. right, one's wrong. But I think really figuring out what is the need in that community. What we mm-hmm. realized is most of these communities that we're going to um, are smaller. Right. Like the largest community is Manchester, uh, kind of north. Um, anything north of that is smaller towns of mm-hmm. you know, 10, 20,000 people. And what we realized is church plan organizations aren't going there. Right? Like most church plan organizations are going to these huge communities like Boston, uh, which is about an hour mm-hmm. south of us, that you know, has mm-hmm. millions of people there. Mm-hmm. And what's going to work there is going to be different than what works, what works here. Um, mm-hmm. And so what we're really trying to figure out is, okay, well, what is the need in the community? Um, once again, it's not that video doesn't work. It just for the region that we live in, we realized that uh, there was much more of a need for like incarnational ministry, which mm-hmm. was, whoever is sharing from stage, like they want to be able to uh, be able to pray with somebody, be able to lay hands on someone, be able to have a conversation with them. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was a much more of a need for these smaller communities. And so, Mm -hmm. so as I've, as I've been having conversations or coaching with different churches around the country, what I'm realizing is they they figured out, okay, this, this works specifically for the community that we're in. And there's a need that we're meeting because of it. It's when Mm -hmm. you start seeing growth um, take place, not just trying to, you know, kind of cookie cutter, hey, this worked here. And like you said, mm. Northwest, Northeast, um, parts of it are very similar, very different. Um, as I mentioned mm. earlier, like being in Texas, so much different mm. uh, than being here where people like culture is not, we go to church. It's mm. like, it's basically like, you know, bleak church is, is mm. usually the conversations that we're having here because people don't go to church, they're not involved in church. And so I think determining in your community, Mm-hmm. What are those needs? And, and as a church, does, does your lead pastor have a passion to go and do that? Because at the end of the day, I think we, we all want to reach more people, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Great Commission, like we want to go and we want to reach more people. I think that the hard thing is uh, most people that I talk to would say, yeah, I want to do great things for the kingdom. Like I want to reach my community. Um, mm-hmm. But few people are actually willing to do what it takes. That's and good. So I love the team. Yeah, as a team, I think just praying through processing what are, what are those needs and mm-hmm. are we actually willing to make those shifts and make those changes to, to reach the most people? 
Love it. So good. Yeah, that's a good, great, great coaching, great advice for us to be thinking, you know, how do we, and what does that look like? How do we, how do we contextualize? How do we not just, yeah, like, yeah, it was, I feel like so many of those, particularly say 20, 30 years ago, uh, so many church conferences that, you know, you, you'd go to XYZ, big church, whichever your movement loved, and they would yeah. do, you know, three days of this is how, why our church is so great. And then there was always that one session at the end that was like, okay, now don't go do this you know I, but no one ever paid attention to that they all, we all tried to replicate that and um you know it's we'd already left we'd already left the conference at that point we were already yeah exactly i already got on a plane i've, I've been yeah. to chili's at the airport and away we go um all right so uh, before we get to questions jeremy i want to ask you about xp summit so this is coming up um friends that you, you know that you're listening in this this is going to be an incredible event coming up here in may Tell us about it. What is uh, what is XP Summit? How does it? Yeah. What, what do I? What do we need to know about XP Summit? Yeah, just kind of a two minute deal on the XP Summit is the executive pastor is uh, um, the XP Summit is for executive pastors mm -hmm. uh, by executive pastors, and mm -hmm. so it's something that Brandon and I have been to uh, for years. Uh, I know Lisa's been a part of it um, in the past, and. Um, and there will be some amazing content there. Like we're going to have people like uh, Katie Cole, uh, Clay mm -hmm. Scroggins, who are going to have some incredible content. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think the, what I love about it and what Brandon and I have talked about it is um, one of the things that we love is that it's not just the great content. It's some of the conversations uh, that you'll have around the table, right? Like um, some of the conversations we're having right now to be able to sit down with a, with a group of 10 other people and discuss, hey, here's some of the challenges uh, that we're going through. I uh, hear some of the difficulties. Like, how did you guys navigate that? Um, mm -hmm. And it really is kind of like taking it to a point where you're taking some of those conversations and continuing them, not just at the conference itself, mm -hmm. but exchanging information. Like, I know early on for me as an executive pastor, having some of those connections, some of those conversations, even a brand and like really helped coach me even early on in a season and still does um, help kind of coach what does that look like? And I realized that mm -hmm. so many other executive pastors I talked to, uh, you know, a question you asked earlier, Rich, is like, what do those relationships look like? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it really is having other executive pastors in my life that can, that can speak into me, um, mm -hmm. guys that I can reach out to when we're, whether we're navigating crisis or trying to figure out um, staffing, um, maybe an area that we're stuck, to be able to have those ongoing conversations is incredibly helpful. And so um, mm -hmm. a part of it too is we, we do keep the conference smaller. Like, mm -hmm. It is uh, executive pastors from larger churches, but we really, we cap it at 150 executive pastors. That's crazy. So, yeah. So that we can just keep having those, those conversations, right. Keeping yeah. it, keeping it in a place where you, you know, everybody who's going to be on stage. Um, I know like uh, Lisa is going to be part of one of our panels. Um, Brandon's going to be doing a lot of the facilitating and, and guiding some of those conversations, but to be able to keep those, I think is so crucial. Uh, for any executive pastor to have those ongoing relationships and conversations. And so I know it's been a, a huge blessing to me and, uh, and I've gotten like texts and emails over the last couple of years um, of people that have been a part of it. And they've just been so encouraged because they have other people that can walk alongside them. They can bounce ideas around. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm excited because uh, the four of us are going to be there. Um, so mm -hmm. we'll get to hang out in person, which will be, should be good times. Yeah. So good. So that, uh, so a couple of things, friends, I don't want you to miss out on this. So it's xpsummit.org. You want to go over there and uh, and check that out. Now, we'll also, so it's May 16th and 17th. 
And we're at Brandon's church, Compass. Let's Fantastic. go. Let's go. So we can all pile into his office here and, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, we can check out, see how clean he, it keeps the facility. Uh, and then we can try to mess it up. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but here's the deal. So I am, I, this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be great to be there. I do want to get a chance to, uh, you know, to spend time with you and, and whoever, you know, comes to it. But this is the thing. I would say I'm a little bit nervous because like Jeremy just said, uh, this is limited to 150 people, which I think is perfect because we all, you know, we've got lots of content as a person that makes content. Like, I don't want to say we don't want more content because I feel like then I'm getting myself out of a job. But, but what we need is relationships. Like, we need we need to have we need to get across the table and ask people some questions and this is designed for that and so we, I'd love for you to come now we had like 250 people sign up for this thing and tomorrow I'm emailing out to the whole list 10,000 people about it and so I want you to register so you go to xpsummit.org and all you have to do is use the this, well you can just register there but if you'd like to save money uh, you can just which I know all of us want to save money as executive pastors just use the code on seminary and that'll get $50 off, but it's, that goes away at the end of the month, I believe. So don't, uh, you know, don't delay. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. So if you have any questions about the summit, you can put those in as well, but let's pivot into questions. I love this one that came through and we're going to go round Robin style on this one. So maybe we'll start with Lisa first, but, the, uh, and then just, so I'm setting you up. So you gotta be thinking about this. So we had a number of people ask the same question, which is basically this, Hey, new i'm a new executive pastor i was in some other role now i'm a new executive pastor and what do i do what are my top two or three priorities what would if you were kind of coaching somebody that was just starting out uh we'll go lisa brandon jeremy and then i'll answer at the end <laughs> all right great question and um i would put it in the category of get to know the people and mm. and the people i would put that in three categories your staff your your vendors and your donors mm, and good. so um as the xp this is assuming that that you're the one you're the only mm. xp so you don't have an operations one and a and a, a pastoral one you're you're the xp and so you've got to know who you're working with and what you've got mm. you've got to know your staff um mm. your your vendors you've got to know who your landlords are you've got to mm. know your banking relationships you've got to know your janitorial relationships. You've got to have those relationships, one, so that you have a pulse on what's going on, and two, because as you build those relationships, you're going to be expanding the kingdom. Relationships mm -hmm. in our in our vendor-client world mm -hmm. is bigger than we realize. Mm -hmm. um, and just a, a quick note on that, we had uh, a vendor at the Rock Church, our um, HVAC vendor, huge corporation in San mm -hmm. Diego County, and um, three of them now attend the Rock Church mm, because of relationship. It wasn't because of mission or the message. It was because we cared for them. Mm. And then they got to know the mission and the message. And so the relationship became key. And then, of course, with, with your donors, um, as the XP, you're going to be working with them. And we talked earlier about the personal thank you notes and all of those pieces those personal phone calls, those Sunday morning hellos are mm -hmm. really important because they're seeing the people that are spending the dollars they're giving. Mm. And that's where the touch point is, is they want to know who's making the decisions on these dollars that they're giving. They're going to see in the annual report what that Jeremy talked about, which is really important. And I totally agree with what he said. 
of mm -hmm. where the dollars are going, but mm -hmm. they also want to know who's making the decision on those dollars. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. You're the, you're the major voice up front. Mm -hmm. So that would be my starting point would be those three groups of people. So good. Brandon, what about you? What's your advice? <laughs> Get really, 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 really good at one-on-one -on -one meetings mm -hmm. and be really mm -hmm. deliberate with them. Like don't everyone, when you become an XP, everyone comes to you and asks for everything. So you've got to get, your schedule's going to get full. What you've got to do is you've got to schedule consistent one-on-one -on -one meetings with the people who report to you. Do not count mm -hmm. on some big group meeting to cover everything. That's important. Not saying they're not, but you know, you've got to sit down. I, I sit down with people. I'll give it real quick with you. I sit down with people every week on my team and I ask them and I, they know the agenda. They know it. We get through mm -hmm. it quick, but they also know I care enough about them. We're going to listen. We're going to do really good one-on-one -on -one meetings. And we know we stay connected and we stay moving forward. Otherwise, you're just going to be saying no, yes, no, yes, no, yes mm -hmm. to everyone's mm -hmm. questions and pushing mm -hmm. back and fight politics. But I just say, hey, tell me how you're doing personally. Mm -hmm. uh, I pray for them. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about what are some problems they're facing. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about priorities. Well, hey, what are your priorities? This is the mm -hmm. time for me to listen and go, oh, and for me to go, hey, I don't know if that's the right priorities when I'm hearing from you. I mm -hmm. want to make sure I self-correct those. So I'd say, hey, what are your priorities? And then my last word is push. And it's push. It's mm -hmm. time to push, either push for the positive things that I hear and go, I love those priorities. Or, mm -hmm. hey, I, I want you to keep going forward with that. Or I want to push back on some things and go, hey, I know you said your priority was this, but I really want to encourage you to adjust that. I really need you to mm -hmm. focus on this. But mm -hmm. I think that in XP world, we can get really disconnected from people because we lead the staff meeting and we lead mm. from up front and send the email to everybody that tells everyone what to do that no one reads. And that those one-on-one <laughs> -on -one meetings uh, become so essential mm. to actual accountability. So good. And I yeah. take notes on those one-on-one -on -one meetings. I keep a file of those one-on-one -on -one meetings so I can circle back and go, Hey, are we following through? Are we building a solid relationship here? And, and there's, there's, it's, those are just so important. I think if you're going to, if, if you can do anything, be really good at one-on-one -on -one meetings. Yeah, that's so good. That's a great word. Jeremy, what about you? Um, I actually asked Brandon this question. Like I'd been there for three months and I was like, dude, what do I do? Like, is there, <laughs> is there a strategy book? Like, is there, but what should yes. I do? And, and, and I'll never forget. He told me this. He said, um, build relationships with your staff. Mm -hmm. Like they care way less about the content or things that you know, they want to know that you care about them. So the more time you're actually spending, like getting to know your staff early on back to building trust, it takes time. And mm -hmm. so I think the more time being deliberate with your staff on getting to know who they are, getting to know their families, like, like know their, know their names their spouses, names, their kids names, like those things have so much value because then they know you actually care about them um, more than just about, you know, whatever project um, is coming up. And so I would say just, man, focus time and energy on that, especially early on. Love it. So good. Great. Uh, all, all great stuff. And I'm not even going to add to it because I want to get to more questions. Um, so this question from Keith uh, and maybe Brendan, I'll throw this one to you. In our current context, which I'm in, the biggest pressure we have to do is they're building out of space. Our daycare and church are both out of space and we need to expand. We could do with, uh, you know, we could do more if we could expand, but mortgage rates are high. Construction costs. We all know what that's like. Costs more, takes longer, super expensive. Creative solutions. What should we be thinking about on, you know, the space side? You'll you'll never be more creative as a church when you don't have what you need. Mm. And so don't be disappointed by that. Don't be discouraged by it. Get creative. 
because mm -hmm. once you build a new building, like we build campuses here in Texas because mm -hmm. it's Texas and everything's bigger in Texas. So mm -hmm. we build these big campuses for our campuses. And when they were mobile and had no space and no money and no staff and no, you know, frust how do we manage all this space? They were mm -hmm. at their best. And mm -hmm. that is when you get the most creative is you can sit down and say, okay, we got to get really creative here. Like we mm -hmm. got to add a service at another time. We got to, mm -hmm. maybe the pastor's not going to preach for an hour so we can add a third service on Sunday to create mm -hmm. some more space. Like we're going to have to be creative. I met mm -hmm. in a movie theater for seven years at a church in California, probably some of the most fun years of my life in ministry and some of the best growth, but we had 200 seats in that theater mm -hmm. and we, found a way we just we, mm -hmm. we found a way so i would tell mm -hmm. whoever's writing that i'm sure you're pulling your hair out at night you're frustrated mm -hmm. you're discouraged don't be discouraged get creative and i know mm -hmm. that just sounds like well that's easy for you to say you work at a church in dallas and you guys can just build a big building i can tell you right now they're giving away I, buildings in in texas they're just exactly yeah we're just <laughs> but i i miss the days of being in a movie theater and going what do we do what do we do right. how can we do children's ministry in a rat infested movie theater or how can we do, how can we figure out this preschool thing and make it work? And I, I would just say this last thing, the tension that you're feeling is 100% normal and will not go away. If you have a preschool and a church in the same building, welcome to tension. That's not going away. You can't org chart that away. You can't build more facility. And it's just, there's going to be a conflict and tension and Hey, congratulations. You've been given the job as XP to build relationships and manage that tension. You know, hope you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it's job security. You know, I think major I, job security. Yeah, I'd love to hear Jeremy. Lisa, if you have anything on this, I think this is a key piece for me. Uh, where I would go, Keith, is uh, so two things. I, this may not be super encouraging, so I apologize for that up front. You know, if you look <laughs> at our friends at, at, so lots of times I discourage people from looking at those like giant like churches that none of us can. You know, because I'm like, it's so hard to learn from those people like they're, you know, they're so different than you and I, they live in a different world. Uh, this would be one of the exceptions. I, If you look at Life Church, what they've done, they have figured out, you know, their kind of standard model is actually a fairly small building with a multiplicity of services. So like seven services on a weekend kind of stuff. So Keith, I, what I would do is I would say, get on Life Church's site, find a couple campuses and look like just literally go find the South Tulsa mm -hmm. campus look at their their service times and then ask and show your team that and say look they do six services on a weekend what would it take for us to do that and and have that conversation and see you know what that would look like again normally i say don't look at those guys because you can't really learn from them but the same is like elevations the same way elevations biggest room is 1500 seats like and so same thing ton of services uh you know jeremy lisa anything to add to that before mm -hmm. we move on I think I would just build on what you're saying. Utilize your space for all of your operating hours. So if your building mm -hmm. opens at 6 or 7 a.m. and mm -hmm. closes at 9 or 10 a.m., there is a place and a time for everything to happen within that campus if you're utilizing the space you already have. Mm -hmm. uh, looking toward building and expanding isn't necessary until you tapped the space that you have. Mm -hmm. Just because right. it's busy all day Sunday doesn't mean that it's busy Monday through Saturday. So make sure you're utilizing those space, shuffle the times like Rich was saying, uh, and, and work together. So if you have a preschool, preschool closes by 6 p.m. Even if you have after school care, it's done by six. So what are you moving into that space at seven o'clock? And how do they share the space? You put cabinets in with locks on it. It works well. You now have 
uh, evening Bible study classroom. Mm -hmm. And so utilize the space, get in all of the the cabinets and the locks that you need so that because preschool has some very specific and we don't want to mess with their accreditation process, but there are ways around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Anything, Jeremy, on that front? It's okay. If yeah, I, I think you guys hit on it. I think it's just get creative. Yeah. Um, yeah, be yeah, very, totally. very creative. And I think thinking through those alternative times, like I think Life is a great example. We ran, we ran into this issue, um, I think six, seven years back, we added a Thursday night service. We're like, let's mm -hmm. try it. Um, the lead pastor and I had zero desire in doing a Saturday night. Um, Thursday, Thursday night worked really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think thinking creatively, what are, what are some felt needs in the community and, and use your space creatively? Yeah, Thursdays are interesting times. Monday nights, I've seen a number of churches do Monday night services and, and see good traction on those. So, yeah, I, I think you got to test all that stuff before, you know, yeah, before we take out another loan um, for sure. So uh, there's a number of questions kind of in the orbit of engagement. How are you measuring tracking engagement? Church online, what does that mean versus attender? You know, like all of that kind of you know, general, you know, number engagement measurement stuff. Uh, you know, Jeremy, would you have a, do you have a, how are you guys thinking about that at one church? What, what does that mm. look like for you guys? Yeah, I think, I think engagement is a new way to measure uh, attendance, mm -hmm. right? I think mm -hmm. for, for online, um, forget about multipliers, like are people <clears throat> online engaging? Are they connected in some capacity, whether it's in small groups, whether it's, you know, what, whatever that looks like, right? Like think about engagement from that, uh, from that standpoint is, is what are some ways to measure the, those things? Um, are people in groups, right? Like whether it's mm -hmm. online or in person, are they, are they getting together in groups? Um, there's still a lot of things that we can track, right? Like obviously giving mm -hmm. is something that you hit on earlier, but giving is just a good metric to know like, hey, how are we doing? Um, baptisms, like there's still a lot of things I think that we can just, uh, as executive pastors, we like to look at numbers like and, and know mm -hmm. what those are. Um, but obviously COVID changed that. Um, I saw some, mm -hmm. some people ask about COVID and how that changed things. I think is what is the new normal for you now? Um, and then measuring that um, and figuring out what are those things that your senior pastor cares about as well. And I think tracking those things and using that kind of as a new uh, baseline, if you will, I think are, are helpful things, at least they have been for us. Yeah, so good. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to try to do like lightning round here, which I know is super dangerous, super, super dangerous. Uh, but we're going to try to get a bunch of questions in. Lisa, I'm going to start with you. So question around uh, this church, Jason, they're looking for help on the financial side. They're thinking like we need to bring in like a you know, CFA. So he's specifically looking for a recommendation on an accountant. But um, I'll brighten it out a little bit. Partners on that front, on kind of the financial side, who would you go to to say, hey, here's some organizations or people that uh, we should talk to? Do you have any suggestions for that? Um, absolutely. There's, uh, a lot of organizations that you can go to Cape and Krause in California is an excellent one for CPA mm -hmm. and auditing. Um, I work for Dana investment group mm -hmm. and we work with churches on the financial piece. Um, CDF capital is a great one to mm -hmm. go to for, uh, church partnership and, and lending. And mm -hmm. so there are many that you can go to, but those would be the top three that mm -hmm. come to mind for church specifically, because the church piece, nonprofit piece is important. Nice. Okay, Brandon, uh, question around reporting lines. Interesting one around. Uh, so 
uh, is a question around where should the exec who should the executive pastor report to? Should they have a dotted line to the board or just to the exec just the lead pastor? What's your coaching on uh, on that? Got to have clear clear authority in your when you're setting up that deal. I'll give you a perfect mm-hmm. example in this. You know, in, in our church, we have multiple executive pastors. I realize that's probably not going to be the case for many of you who are watching this, but we've made it really clear. One of our executive pastors is the boss, and we all report to them. All the other XPs mm-hmm. report to them. You've got to have clear lines of authority. Otherwise, when you start dotted lining toward the top of your org chart, that's when you set yourself up for major division, major problems. Mm-hmm. If you get a power-hungry XP, and they're, they have too much influence or, or vice versa. You got to have a board who holds your lead pastor accountable. You know, there's just got to be really clear lines of authority. So I would, I would be really cautious about a bunch of dotted lines at the top mm-hmm. of your org chart. When it comes to multi-site, uh, maybe you're managing children's and students. Sure. Then, then, then you can put some dotted lines in there and say, Hey, you're in charge of resources, but, but you report to the campus pastor on that mm-hmm. site, or you report to the central person. So that's when you can have some dotted lines, in my opinion, toward the bottom of the org chart. But toward the top, really dangerous. You're going to open up the dotted line, solid line question in multi-site, Brandon. That's like, we're going to have to go another half an hour here if we (laughs) get down that one. That's like a whole other, that's like the headache of the last 20 years. It's it's amazing. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, uh, and again, friends, we're going to try to wrap up here coming up at the top of the hour. So uh, we'll finish here in a few minutes. But, Jeremy, question around kind of an interesting, super tactical question. Uh, I'll start with you, but you guys can all jump in. Uh, recommendations on church management software. What do you guys use at one? And uh, it seems like nobody likes it. So I won't, I won't ask you to comment on whether you like it or not, but what do you use and other things that are out there that, uh, you know, you might be interested in, you know, pointing people towards. Yeah, I, I th- I'll answer this way. Um, I think every software is, uh, is good um, up to the extent that the staff uses it. Yeah. Um, if the staff uses it well, then it, then most of them tend to work. I was so tired of all these different, options and we're using this for this and this for this. So we actually just streamlined and went with a uh, planning center. Um, mm-hmm. And we're using that across the board to try to simplify things. Yeah, that's great. Brandon, what do you guys use? What do you use for that? Uh, we use a uh, rock, but I would say yep. this, I think rock is a larger church platform and all the rock people are going to be upset with me for saying that because I, you know, I don't work for rock or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I, here's my thing on databases real quick. Cause it's speed round. Don't believe anything any database person tells you that they're selling you. It, it, <laughs> and I mean that. It, it, I mean that. Everyone says our thing will do this. Our thing will cut, you know, it'll peel potatoes and it'll do your finances. Like the reality is if you're a large church or a big church, that stuff is going to be really big over promise and under deliver. You're only as good as the people who make phone calls and meet with people and do all that. Everyone gets super hung up. Like our group search doesn't work very well. It's hard to find a group. Well, well, then get real good at texting people and connecting them into groups. Like, quit complaining about the dumb database. It can be a mm. huge waste of money and resources. It, it's really important to have. We have a really good database. Mm. We have a lot into it. But the ROI really matters. And if mm. you're a smaller church, quit spinning your wheels and changing your database every two years and just get really good at following up with people. Mm. Just stop. Yeah, stop, 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 stop shopping. Yeah. Lisa, anything on that? Find the one that fits your budget. They all do the same thing in a different way. Find the one that fits your budget and mm-hmm. and go with it and stick with it and use as few platforms as possible. Yeah. Uh, because oh, when so everybody good. gets to pick their own platform, that's when it becomes a train wreck. So that's uh, your, your data management. The one for staff management that I highly recommend um, is Leader, L-E-A-D-R. So no mm-hmm. at the end, L-E-D-R. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And on that one, it's the one-on-ones that Brandon was talking about. It's the agendas in all one place. It's seeing all the meetings. It's managing all your people. So Mm -hmm. that one I highly recommend if you're looking for something to manage staff. Mm -hmm. Love it. So good. Yeah, I and don't you can tell the job of the database company after this call. <laughs> I think I, I have cool. just lost the potential of ever having a database as a sponsor of Unsummoner. But uh, <laughs> it's true. We've all been through, like, so I've same thing. I switched from one major, you know, one of these companies to another one. And was, I wish I would have listened to Brandon. And um, and it was, a, it was a huge project, like a year of time. I basically had a full-time person. That's all they did was think about that stuff. And and in the end, I was like, oh, now we just have a different set of problems. So um, it, it, they're, they're good. They're important. I think that's a good tenor. Like I said, yeah, they're important. But yeah, they're not. You, there isn't a perfect database out there that's going to solve your problems. So that's, uh, yeah. that's good. Well, friends, we're going uh, to shut down the, the conversation here. You know why? Because we want to get together in May. As you can see, lots of good. This is the thing I love about executive pastors. That one conversation, we could have talked for an hour on database. Uh, all of that stuff we could have dug into and spent way more time, much more time. It'll be way easier to do it while we're, uh, while we're sitting in Brandon's church around his tables. Um, and, you know, being and, eating and, you know, some barbecue, let's go. Hello, eating barbecue. That'll make it, uh, way, way easier. Jeremy, I want to give you final words. What, what do we want to say as we kind of wrap up today? What kind of final words would we say to folks that are listening in as we, as we close today? Oh man! Well, first of all, thanks for hanging on with us, Islan. If you're uh, if you're still here, but um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is is man find find uh, close connections and people that you can have these conversations with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I've just I've known way too many guys as guys and gals as you probably have as well that over the last couple of years um, they're done and they're out, mm-hmm. and it was because they were discouraged. They weren't closely connected to another group of leaders that they could have some of these difficult conversations with. And I just think there's so much value in, in having a group of people like your, your tribe, your whatever you want to call it, your cohort, your group of people that you're doing life together, where you can mm-hmm. have some of these, these difficult and even encouraging conversations, I think is so crucial uh, mm-hmm. in this next season. Love it. Well, thanks so much, friends. We're so honored that uh, that you have been with us and thanks for joining. And to our guests who've been here, I'm just so honored that you took some time out today. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being here. And we'd love to see you again, XP Summit 2023. It really is the XP event by XPs for XPs. And it, just go to xpsummit.org. It's May 16th and 17th in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you. Thanks for, for being here today. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.